0: Conversations that matter to you. We need proper representation. Time for Fridays with Fry. With Russell Fry on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk
1: 94.5. Yes, he's joining us. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Good, morning. I, Good to be here. I thought you
1: were going to bless us with your presence.
0: I know i, I, I you know we, we actually came home Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we came home last night late, and okay. my son to school today, so Aww. I'm well, at the house uh, I'm in town, but I'm at the house.
1: well, I'm glad you were able to do that, so um no, no problem for it from us, so I wanted to just say how excited I was for you when I got your text yesterday, so make the big announcement, Congressman Russell Fry.
0: Well, yesterday, it, it was unexpected in that we had not asked for it yet, but Donald Trump um, sent out a great endorsement uh, of me and the campaign. Obviously, we're gearing up. We run every two years. So uh, he endorsed us fully yesterday. We're ready to go. We're rocking and rolling. and. I
1: am
0: pumped. I'm excited about this election season.
1: I am going to read it because I know you're humble. Congressman Russell Fry is a phenomenal representative of South Carolina's 7th congressional district. Russell is an American first conservative who is fighting to secure our elections, stop illegal immigration, grow the economy, cut taxes, strengthen our military, support our veterans, and uphold the rule of law. An original member of my South Carolina leadership team, Congressman Russell Fry, has my complete and total endorsement. Congratulations! I'm very excited for you. Um, that's big yeah, news. Yeah. So um, I wanted to also talk to you. Speaking of secure elections, I saw Laura Trump, who's running for co-chair, vice chair of the Republican National um, con- Committee. What What do you think about her saying that that is number one? I mean, do you know anything that's on her agenda? How she's going to achieve that?
0: Well, I think she's incredibly brilliant and sharp, and and you know certainly uh, you know she she hails from the state of North Carolina. Uh, as is the, the the chair, looks like the presumptive chair, Michael Watley, you know, and they've dealt with this, right? I mean, it's hard uh, when you're in North Carolina and you're used to close races going back, you know, decades. Um, your parties have to be really robust and they have to be on it. and They have to make sure that things, however the vote goes, that it goes the way, um, you know, that, without any funny business. And in North Carolina, they've been able to do that. So I expect that uh, that's going to be a priority, uh, that you put lawyers in place and assets in place and polling and precinct captains and you play the early vote game where you can and you do, you know, you follow the rules, but you make sure that other people are following the rules, which Mm -hmm. I think is critical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about Mayorkas. Um, we've seen the border. Let's talk about the border in general. We saw the tale of two presidential candidates going down the, the contrast between the dim, the two of them couldn't be greater. Um, and you have Mayorkas coming back to talk about the border as well. I think it's the house judiciary committee. Give us an update on, on what you can tell us about that.
0: Well, I just look, I mean, yesterday, I think he hit the nail on the head. I mean, you got, President Trump, who went to a hot spot of illegal immigration where they've been migrants have been flooding into the country, and you go you go to Biden, uh, I think who goes to uh, Brownsville, where there's not a lot of activity and of course you're right. It was the tale of two presidents. you put a side by side who looks more presidential, who looks more equipped to handle the job? Is it the guy shuffling through the gravel uh, or is it the guy that like stands resolutely with law enforcement? Who has done the job before and is capable to do it again? And stays on that's, that's
1: topic. That, Doesn't go into correct. climate change BS. <laughs> right, oh my
0: right.
1: gosh! Well,
0: and that's in and Mayorkas echoes the same thing, right? I mean, climate change is a contributor to illegal immigration. What? I mean, that is just the <laughs> the, the most insane thing ever. Um, no, it's Stupid. your open border policies. Oh. I mean, we didn't people didn't wake up all of a sudden and go, huh. Oh my gosh, the weather might be bad. Let me run across the border. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the numbers back are incredibly. uh, When you look at Obama's presidency and Trump's, and then you compare them to Biden's, it's it's astronomical. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we're going to keep focus on this. I think the American people are tired of it. Uh, And honestly, they you know where I would say we need to be bolder, and I wish we were. Is we need to fight on the border more, right? I mean. We know we passed H.R. 2, which is the Secure the Border Act, the great piece of legislation that plugs a lot of the holes that the Biden administration has twisted uh, from a legal perspective. But we know that Biden took 52 executive actions on the border. And just as quickly as he took 52 executive actions to remove policies that worked with the Trump administration, he could take executive action today mm-hmm. to restore those. But he won't do it.
1: No. Um, Another topic that we've talked to you about a lot was Hunter Biden, and we saw his testimony. Um, We saw that the documents were released regarding the transcript of his testimony. What did you learn from that? And um, why are some people saying, oh, it doesn't matter? We already we know that the big guy is Biden. He admitted it. He admitted that he was with these meetings. And what what else do we need to show in order to make that connection?
0: Well, I think I think where we're at right now. So, so Hunter wasn't the, he was a, a central piece in all this for sure, um, but he's not the only piece. And so, um, clarifying, connecting those dots. Here's where we're at, I think, right now is obviously uh, he has requested um, previously a public hearing. And in fact, we all remember the circus that he performed when he came to the Capitol and wanted a public hearing. And you know that's not what we do. So. Uh, We were going to hold him in contempt. He relinquished and said, I'll come in for a deposition. So the deposition, eight hours of of, of testimony or so, something like that, um, there was a lot of uh, what I think is really interesting is that he pretended that all of this was legitimate, that everything was just a legitimate international business transaction and that it was all arm's length, and his dad had nothing to do with it. But when you parade your dad around and you go with your dad on um, Air Force Two and your dad casually strolls in to meet your business associates or people that you might be doing business with, you know, it is an international business transaction, um, or it's, it's really a bribe masked as an international business <laughs> transaction. And that's, that's kind of where, where I take it. Look, he was incredibly well prepared, as we expected that he would be from his lawyer. Um, you know, he continued to officially deny uh, that, that that President Joe Biden, Vice, then Vice President Joe Biden, was involved in any of his business. But we know from other testimony, right? We know from we know from Rob Walker, we know from Bob Alinsky, which was a business associate of, of Hunter Biden. We know from a whole host of people. But Joe Biden was kind of the he was considered the brand. He was kind of considered one of the central features. You know, they trotted him out as a hey, look what we have. Um and bribery I don't understand how the left thinks that bribery doesn't have to happen, uh, unless you pay the person directly. Mm-hmm. Bribery can be, Liz, hey, um, Your dog's a really cool dog. Uh, Hey, do this for me, and I'll buy your dog a new house. Hmm. Like, that can be bribery. It doesn't go to you directly. It goes to your dog. And so the same thing goes here. And so the the left is jumping up and down, and and there's at least some members who were demanding that we have a public hearing but now seem to be kind of walking that back. Uh, I don't know that they want a public hearing, but, you know, certainly Hunter Biden has agreed to that, and the chairman's going to take him up on that offer, it looks like.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, I I'm going ahead because I don't want to lose some time here. So talk about this the CR that was approved um, to keep the government open. What was that about? How did that work out? Well,
0: so the fiscal deadline, if you remember back in January, <clears throat> uh, the House did a laddered approach. Where uh, they said these groups of appropriations bills will expire on this day, and the second group will expire on a different day. And that was kind of in an effort to break it up a little bit and to focus, you know, on one set at a time. Uh, so the, the continuing resolution came up this week. Um, again, I've been consistent with this. I'm not going to vote uh, to to fund Nancy Pelosi's budget. Uh, she drafted a budget right before House Republicans took over. That is the budget that we're operating under. That is a budget under the continuing resolution. And again, most of the functions are, you know, typical functions of government. But some of them are not and and I don't trust you know the, the process that happened before House Republicans took over and I've never um, unless there's a cut or unless there's some sort of war security and I'm not going to do it I'm just not so uh, where we are now is it's obviously passed in bipartisan fashion I think a lot of conservatives voted against the continuing resolution um, but what I'm at least happy to see is that there is an agreement on dealing with directly the appropriations bills, as Congress should have been doing all along, but hasn't. And so uh, it remains to be seen what those look like. Um, I think that text, we're going through it now, and and some of it's still coming coming out. Uh, But uh, what I am at least pleased about now is that there is a focus on getting to the appropriations bills, which is something that conservatives have been clamoring for a long time now. We'll see what that looks like, and we'll see what the spending looks like, and we'll see what the contents look like on that. I don't have a whole heck of a lot of faith given past action. Uh, but that's kind of where we are with the continuing resolution right now. It's a continuing resolution for one, essentially one week, um, and next week it looks like we're voting on a series of appropriation bills. I think five or six, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so you uh, voted. So
1: you voted against it. I, s- I did. Okay. I did. All right. I did. Um, the, I only, think-
0: the only CR I've ever voted for was the first one,
1: mm-hmm. which was
0: a cut. It was a 1% cut. It mm-hmm. had a debt commission in it, I believe. And it also had permanent border security fixes.
1: Okay. And
0: so if we're going to start cutting and, and altering the fiscal track of this country, we need to be serious about it. Uh, that was a, a serious proposal to to start to bend the fiscal arc of, of the nation's capital um, but absent that, if we're going to continue to prop up this bloated bureaucracy, I'm not going to do it.
1: Okay. We're speaking with Congressman Russell Fry. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them into the Showtime Autoglass text line, 843-798-TALK, seven nine eight eight two five five. Glenn is standing by gathering those. Uh, before we go on, Congressman, I'd like to ask you about, and, and since I've known you, um, you've always been talking about... Like two things pop into my head: is uh, legislation to uh, counter the opioid epidemic, and the other one is human trafficking. And you recently held a, p- a press conference outside the Ori County courthouse. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Uh, thanks for that. Actually, it's a, it's a good, it's a, it's a great issue. So, human trafficking is a problem that affects Ori County, it affects Marion County. It's rural, it's urban, it's. Black and white. It's not, it's not red or blue. It's just, it, it's pervasive. 30 million people worldwide are human trafficked. And, and the United States is no stranger to that statistic either. And so I look at laws and how things are structured. And one of the things that perplexed me was that 47 states have a law on their books that says if you're a victim of human trafficking, it's a defense in a court if you get picked up. So victims, survivors, get picked up for prostitution. They get picked up for identity theft. They get picked up for, you know, a whole host of kind of misdemeanor-esque type crimes, maybe even some felonies. But when you're a victim of human trafficking, you're kind of a puppet, right? You're a puppet of the trafficker. Mm -hmm. And so when when you're charged and you're convicted, a lot of times you go back into the world that you left before you were arrested. Sometimes you have no
1: choice because they'll hunt you down.
0: Correct. And a lot of times, too, what's interesting is when you have a conviction, you can't get housing, right? You can't, you, on a rental application, when they do a background check, mm. you're going to be denied. You can't get job opportunities. Um, you can't go to your child's school, as one wow. trafficking victim talked about this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't vote. And so there's a lot of things that come with that because you're a victim. And so this this bill is bipartisan. It's supported by law enforcement groups and victims groups, which is strange, but good. It's supported by conservative organizations like CPAC um, that are good. And it says, if you're a victim of human trafficking, it is a defense to any crime that you're charged with. Not any crime, but I would say misdemeanor, nonviolent type crimes. It's a defense to these crimes um, if you're a victim of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. If you can show that in the court. Um, then it removes the charge and and kicks it out, and you're free. Uh, yeah, you got to prove I mean, it though.
1: I see like a lot of these people are being saved. That's how I see it. They're being held right. as mental and physical, sexual, uh, you know, hostages. They're yeah. being held there against their will, whether it be psychological right. or physical barrier.
0: You're exactly right, and that's that's the thing. And, and for for people who have prior convictions. Uh, it allows you to vacate that conviction if you can show again that you're a victim of human trafficking, and and so it's great because it it allows the victim um, to tell their story, which is so important, um, and they need that catharsis, right? Yeah. They need that. They need to reintegrate into society, mm-hmm. and law enforcement love it because it really it allows uh, it allows them to learn information that could go straight to the trafficker mm-hmm. themselves.
1: Yeah, that's that's the main and that main is problem.
0: the key. Yeah. That is what we always want to do. Um, is you know the victims, mm-hmm. uh, those who are picked up on, you know, misdemeanors or or, or you know nonviolent felonies. The law enforcement's not really after them, right? They want the real. They want the ring. They want the underbelly
1: mm-hmm. of this Absolutely. of this
0: crime. And so that is kind of where this bill is. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a bipartisan bill. Look, I mean Ted Lieu from California, and I agree on. Nothing that's next to nothing. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah,
0: but it unites the right, the left, it unites Mm -hmm. victims, advocate organizations and law enforcement, conservative organizations and liberal ones. It's good public policy. 47 states have this already on their state law. The federal government does not.
1: All right. Now, before I go to the text line, I, I just have one more question for you. How was it to be uh, part of the delegation to welcome Trump here to the state and usher in that great win for him?
0: No, it was great. It was it was uh, we were on the road a lot last week uh, in, for the primary. He was in great spirits. You know, what's what's really cool since, you know, since he endorsed me about two, gosh, two years ago. Has it been that long. Um, two years ago or so, maybe three is. Uh, the friendship that's kind of developed because of that, and so you know he loves South Carolina. He mm-hmm. always, uh, you know, has had a, a, a warm spot in his heart for for the people here in the Palmetto State, uh, and will continue to do that. And obviously, I think it said a lot, particularly after New Hampshire. His first visit after when we were kind of kicking off the um, kicking off the campaign here in the last month, first visit was to Conway. Uh, he knew, you know, look. Uh, The road to the White House runs through South Carolina, uh, and it starts in Conway. And he, uh, but he really had a good time, and it was good to be with him. He was very happy. I don't know how he keeps up that schedule because Mm -hmm. I was exhausted, and I was doing like (laughs) you know half of what he was doing. Really don't know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I really don't know. I, I think about that all the time because I know people his age, and I, I know how old I am, and I, I think, how does he do all that? I mean, a lot of people say that to me. How do you keep up your schedule? And I'm like, well, I don't know. But, I mean, he is just unbelievable, the energy. I don't understand it.
0: Well, think about the last 48 hours before the vote. So voting's on Saturday, Friday, he does a big rally in Rock Hill. Tons of people, much like Conway, it was overflowed. Not everyone could get into the venue. There's about 70,000 people in the venues packed. So he gives a, a speech there. He takes all the pictures and goes down to the crowd, and does all that stuff. Then he gets in the caravan and goes to Columbia to do an, uh, an event with a black conservative organization. There's about 500 people there. So he speaks there. Then he gets back on his plane and he flies to Washington to d- deliver a, a speech at CPAC the next Morning, and then turns around and flies back to Colombia uh, for the election night win and his speech there. And then he, I, don't, I don't know where he went after that. Somewhere else. I think he was in <laughs> Michigan the next. He was in Michigan the next day because they crazy. had a, a vote over in Michigan. So it's just uh, the the schedule is crazy and the, and the stamina that it requires. But you you know that he's up to the task. You see it. Yeah. The media wants to, like, highlight every blemish. And look, he's, he's mentally compromised, too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, I no, <laughs> don't believe that.
1: Oh, he, no he called his that. wife Mercedes. It was like, no, he was referring to Schlapp's wife. It's just unbelievable how stupid yeah. they are and how stupid they think we are. That's really what it is. Right. Um, right. Do we have any questions for him, Glenn?
2: Yeah, we got uh, 34 of them. Okay. Uh, Russell, uh, fit in
1: a couple. James fire.
2: from Myrtle Beach wants to know what kind of circumstances have caused the CIA and the FBI to turn a blind eye to the invasion with millions of unknown, unvetted young men flooding the border.
0: Yeah. No, it's 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 it starts at the top. It starts within the Homeland Security. It starts with the president. That 340 people that we have apprehended, which is an all-time high by a mile. I mean, Trump had like five that were caught uh, that were on the terror watch list. Biden has had 340, and those are the ones that we know about. We know that close to two million people are considered gotaways in this country, which means that they're here, but we don't. We were they evaded apprehension. Uh, that's I mean, and so by extension you would think, uh, so it is unfortunate, uh, it, is, it is scary to think about uh, the reality that we live mm-hmm. when you've got um, single military-aged males from China and other countries that are coming here. And again, we don't know why they're here. No one knows why they're here. No. And that's the scary part of it. Sure is. Is that the, law, the way the law is right now, and this is where the administration twists it, the way the law is right now is if you're caught at the border – and you say, I'm here because I'm being persecuted, you claim asylum, you are supposed to be detained pending the outcome of your asylum hearing. That is the law. That is what the law says. This president says, well, we're going to catch and release you into the country. We're not going to detain you. We're going to give you a summons and a cell phone, and we'll call you in like 10 years when you're hearing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what they're doing, and that's the scary part of this is Look, people claim asylum and we should always vet them. And we have always been a welcoming country uh, in that regard. When you're being persecuted for your faith or your political beliefs uh, or your uh, gender, whatever the case is, you can claim asylum. We've always had that Uh, and we should always have that. We're a welcoming country. But we also know that only 15% of people who claim asylum are legitimate. That's under Trump and Obama. And so most of this is a fraud on the American people. Um, but this president, rather than detain these asylum seekers um, and, you know, put them up somewhere un- until the, the pending of their hearing, they just release them into the country. And that's that's the scary part. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Popeye would like to know, uh, Roger Dehart has flown into town to thank law enforcement in the area. In May of 2018, he walked from Florida, uh, Fort Lauderdale in Florida, uh, to D.C. along the coast to raise awareness of human trafficking. Um, I saw him on the local news and he met up with him. He's wondering if you have an opportunity to maybe meet with him this weekend. Do you know who I'm speaking about?
0: I do. I do. Popeye is, um, yeah. possibly. And I'll, uh, I'll text him, uh, I'll text him, uh, offline. We might be able to do that. This weekend yeah. if you do.
2: I, I tell you the human trafficking thing. I had no idea about it until I came to this radio station five yeah. years ago.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Congressman Russell Fry, thank you so much. Congratulations on the Trump endorsement and on everything you're working on. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity and, and appreciate all your listeners. I love seeing them in the community. It's really
1: cool. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you.